Well, it's really good to hear. As we're talking about, uh, hello, uh, as we're talking about spiritual gifts uh, today, we looked at that last week as well. It's really important to hear that part of our, hear about our youth. Uh, you read in Acts two this promise that Peter gives, and he quotes Joel, and he says that uh, in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all people your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And we really believe as a church that it's not just, you know, 20 and above or whatever, but actually God speaks and is at work in our, in our young people. And in fact, even in our, in our kids right now as they are gathering together. So it's so great. We so value youth. Well done, Clara, Albin and the team. Um, we so value our kids as well, Chloe and the team. It's so, so, such an important part of who we are. We're talking about spiritual gifts today. And my hope and my dream and my expectation, because it's biblical, is that we won't just have adults prophesying and dreaming dreams, but we'll have young kids coming up to us. And so I just feel that God would say this, he loves you, or whatever it might be. Okay, so as I said last week, for those that were here, uh, and for those that weren't here, what we're going to do today is something slightly different. It might go well, it might go disastrously. And that's fine. We're family. Uh, but we're gonna, I'm going to just give a few points from mainly focusing on 1 Corinthians 14 with Nina. Uh, we'll share the microphone. And then we're going to open the floor, if you like, for an opportunity for questions around the subject of spiritual gifts. So even now, you might have a question about spiritual gifts that you just, uh, uh, has been living with you. You might be part of the church and you're thinking, why do they do it like this? Or you may not be part of the church. You may be visiting for the first day today and you just saw something or you've been thinking about something. Uh, and we want to have an opportunity to be open and talk about spiritual gifts this morning. Uh, obviously, we're not going to have loads of time. Uh, but we'll answer, hopefully, as many questions as possible. If there aren't any questions, he's falling asleep, he's fine. It's getting my son to sleep just by talking, it's brilliant. No one else is allowed to sleep, okay? Uh, yeah, but, um, yeah, so we're going to have, and if there's no questions, fine. We're going to go back into time of worship, and that's cool, all right? Um, so if you want to turn your Bibles, it's, we're going to be looking, focusing mainly in 1 Corinthians 14, Last week we heard, hopefully, the answer to the question, why bother with spiritual gifts? Okay, and today we're going to look at it more practically. How? How do we step out in spiritual gifts? What things are important? What definitions are important to be thinking about? But recapping last week, I made four points to why we bother with spiritual gifts. If you're a visitor here today, church worship might have looked slightly different. There was different people coming up and sharing stuff. There was moments of pools and just quiet contemplation. Yeah, why do we do that? Well, four reasons that Paul gives in 1 Corinthians 13. The first one is that he prioritizes it. So to the letter in Corinth, to the people in Corinth, he spends time focusing on this gift. So 12, 13, and 14, it's more time spent than any other subject in the letter. Okay, so he prioritizes spiritual gifts, even though they're making a right mess of it. He says, no, I'm going to sort you out because we don't want to throw it away. It's important, but we do need to fix it. Okay, so he prioritizes it. The second thing we learned about, and we'll touch on this again today, is it encourages it builds up. We had the whole hand raising last week, and most people said, yeah, I want to be encouraged. I feel like I need to be encouraged Spiritual gifts encourage us. They build us up. As Yolanda shared today, I hope that touched you. I hope that built you up. That's what they do. Uh, thirdly, it demonstrates the body. We, we read this word, everyone, everyone. We are part of the body. Church is not about an individual apart from Jesus Christ. And we are his body. And so what spiritual gifts do is they demonstrate, no, we're a hand, we're a foot. We're, we're all part and we're all working for the same thing. We're all part of the body. And then finally, the fourth thing that we mentioned, really so, so important, is that we, and this is what Clayton touched on today, we are the dwelling place of God. And this is the story of Scripture, that God is looking not for people to follow law necessarily, but for a people that he can call friends a people who he can dwell with. And we see that as they walk in the garden, all the way through the story until Revelation, when one day he will come back. Why? So that he can be our God, we can be his people. 
And we now, we get to experience that as the temple of God, as the dwelling place of God. And spiritual gifts, as we step out in spiritual gifts, God speaking, he wants to encourage, he wants to build up. Uh, and so they demonstrate that we are the dwelling place of God. Okay, so that's why. Just a few points then on how. Uh, and as I said, we're, we're going to focus mainly in 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, and we'll jump around a bit. We won't read the whole of it. That's good to have it open at least. Um, and as I said, if there are any questions, you can jot them down. You can try and remember them. And we'll have them hopefully in about 20 minutes. And before we start, I just want to put a bit of a disclaimer out there. What we're not trying to do is, is make formulas. Like if we just get it all perfect, then God will move. Actually, God is sovereign. He works through us, even though we make mistakes, which is wonderful. It's the grace of God. So we want to be absolutely as biblical as possible. We want to look, we want to study, we want to have a time for questions and answers. And we will try our best to answer them. But God moves. Bless you, Vera. Okay, so uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Follow, I'm NIV, no scripture behind me today, hopefully you've got your Bibles open. Follow, well I think the ESV says, pursue the way of love. And so the first thing I want to notice is that spiritual gifts, how do we do them? We do them in love. And we read about that in 1 Corinthians 13 last week. We, we see and read that again when you're at home. Let it challenge you. I was challenged with that this week, I can tell you. Love is patient. This is within the context of spiritual gifts. It's not within the context of a wedding, controversially. It's within the context of spiritual gifts. Love is patient. Spiritual gifts, they're patient. They're kind. They don't boast. So if we're thinking we're coming up here to boast, then stay sat down. Because that's not, that's not working in love. That's not pursuing love. They're about uh, loving one another. And so we build up one another by stepping out in spiritual gifts because we love one another. And so Paul's main concern, especially in chapter 14 is this, are the gifts serving one another? Are they building one another up? Because if they're not, that's not loving one another, and then it's perhaps not best to do it. So Paul talks about some things like tongues. He's like, maybe I'll do that at home if it doesn't serve one another in the local context. And so he's, con he's, he's conscious about the gifts serving one another, being understood by one another, loving one another. So a really good question to ask when we're thinking about spiritual gifts is this. Is this building up the church? Is this loving the church or is this loving me? What's the heart behind what I'm doing? And the answer should be the church. This is loving, this is building up the church. Nina. Hello, everyone. Um, so I'm going to start off by talking um, at beginning of uh, chapter 14. Um, Paul is using quite strong language where he is uh, saying, pursue love, uh, which Josh uh, touched on. And then he's saying, earnestly desire uh, spiritual gifts. So he's using quite strong language. And when we look at what earnestly means, it's, um, it is a sincere and intense conviction. I think when Clayton shared with us on uh, Thursday night and also this morning about this sense of urgency uh, of meeting with God, I think that is what Paul is trying to get across, that it is a priority of hearing God speak, uh, really wanting spiritual gifts. So it's earnestly, um, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. It's like really holding on to it, having a sense of urgency of, of hearing what God wants to say. Um, the question is then, how, how do you do that? Um, and as Josh said, it's not a formula. I'm not coming up here telling you a formula. It's just um, a few things that, that God has been 
what works for me and what, what I do. And, and with, with that, I think it starts off with how do we earnestly desire spiritual gifts? What we do is we spend time with the Father. Um, we get to know his voice. Um, it is um, a priority in our lives. It's we don't come to him with a list of things that we want to say, but we come to him because we want to spend time with him. Uh, we want to uh, enjoy him. We want to hear what he's got to say. Um, and that, I think it starts with that, just knowing if, you, if, if you're in a relationship or married to someone, you want to spend time with them. It's a good thing. Um, it builds you up. And, and I would say it starts off, to get this desire is to spend time in his presence, having this sense of urgency um, that Clayton spoke about, about God, you are my number one. And the, how that can be, it's different for each one of us. Um, depending on what your life looked like. Um, it can be early in the morning, uh, it can be driving to work, um, it can be walking in nature. Um, just finding what works for you and do it is what I would say. And that could be different in different seasons as well. So, so some se seasons are busier than others and it's just it's important to make it a priority and see what God wants to say. And for me, um, during a long period of time, I always drove to work, so I spent time with God in the car. That's when I was talking to him. Now I don't drive, I bike, uh, but I often am out with our dog and walk with our dog Harvey. And it's just being out in nature, spending time with God. So that's why I would say, if you think, of wh where do I start? By start by spending time with God. Uh, there's no better place. Enjoying his presence um, and asking him for it. God, what do you want to say uh, to me? What is on your heart? Ask specifically for him to speak to you. Uh, I'll come back to that in a second. And also um, expecting God to speak to you. Sometimes uh, we might have so many different voices in our head. Uh, there's lots of voices. The social media, our own voices, people around us. And just recognizing his voice and learning um, to recognize when God, God speaks. And in, in one, we see many spiritual gifts, so we're not neglecting, neglecting them. But um, in chapter 14, we talk about, specifically Paul is talking about the gathering, he's talking about the church, and he's talking about tongues, and he's talking about prophecy. But in uh, chapter 12, we hear, you know, there's a gift of uh, faith and healing and so on. But if you, uh, maybe you know what prophecy is, maybe you don't. Prophecy is simply... God speaking to us, God sharing his heart, hearing the voice of God. It, that can be uh, in pictures, um, it can be God giving you a picture, it can be his quiet voice speaking to you, but it's hearing the voice of God and then you sharing what God is, is saying. To, as Josh said, to build up the church, uh, to make the bride of Christ, the church, us, the gathering, as beautiful as it can be, to encourage, to edify. In, um, in Corinthians 13, verse 9, we, also, we read that we, prophet, we know in part and we prophesy in part. And that's important to, to understand, is that when um, Clayton was up here talking, it's not God taking over Clayton's body and he's a robot. It is Clayton talking. And it's the same with whoever is bringing a prophecy. We, we know in part and we prophesy in part. So it is helpful to, to think about the language we use when we talk about prophecy. Saying, I believe God is saying or I think God is saying. Just having a humble language is helpful because it is my personality. When I believe God has said something to me and I'm sharing it to build up and make the bride of Christ to, to encourage the church. But also... Um, yeah, it is important to understand it's Nina speaking. It's my personality and my words. And we prophesy in part, the Bible says. And that's important. We all have a responsibility to weigh. You know, and I come back to that by working in team and the importance of team. Um, so, so prophecy is hearing God speak. It is, uh, and then saying that to the people, building the church up. And that can be all sorts of things. I preached on prophecy um, a while ago, which was from Acts chapter 11, the end of that. And I would encourage you to read through the whole of Acts and just look at the, all the different ways that God can speak to his people. Because it's, it's many different ways um, that God can speak. So I'm just going to share briefly something from this morning. So I'm going to change a few things around. 
to what I've actually planned to say. Um, so this morning, just uh, in, on a Sunday morning, it is a military operation in our household. I can, so it, it literally is. So I had 15 minutes to take Harvey out for a walk. 15 minutes out with Harvey, because uh, then I needed to get back in so Josh could shower, so we could leave the house at 9.30. So I go out of the house, um, and I have Harvey on the lead, and I literally shut the door and I say to God, okay, God, what do you want to say to your church? What is on your heart this morning? That's literally what I say to him. And I would encourage you all to do that. Prophecy is about building up the church and praying for the church and taking responsibility for the church by praying for one another, praying for your leaders. And um, another helpful thing, um, I'm not saying you have to speak in tongues to hear God speak, but tongues are helpful. Uh, Josh will talk about that in a minute. Um, I started praying in tongues loud <laughs> but there was no one around or at least I think there was no one around and I'm just I it's a mis- I'm uttering mysteries in my spirit I don't care if no one heard me anyway but anyway I was pr- praying in in tongues and um just uh, not sure I don't know what I was saying then but uttering mysteries in the spirit because it opens up a door and then suddenly as I was walking God gave me a picture and it was that picture that I shared just after Clayton this morning, where I just saw this beautiful beach. And that's a picture in my head. I, I see that picture in, in my head. And it was a beach. I don't need to share, but it was a, it was a picture of the beach. And a big wave coming in, flooding uh, the beach. And then I heard God say, or I believe God said to me, and this is one of the ways that he speaks to me. And as I said, it's different to all of us. And you need to work out how God speaks. But I, some people hear God like you hear me now. And we see that in the Bible, like Samuel. I've never heard that. I love to hear God speak to me that way, but he hasn't done that. For me, it's a voice in my head. Um, and it is a voice that's very different to what I'm thinking there and then. And it's a voice that takes, gets my attention directly. And over the last 15, 16 years... I learned to recognize that voice. So as I got that picture, I heard God say, or believe that God said, I'm coming with a fresh fire and a fresh wind this morning. And as that happened, it doesn't happen always, and I've tried to think about um, how to communicate this without sounding weird. I feel, it's not a burden, but I feel the weight of it. So if you've maybe, when I've spoken to people about prophetic words, it is, I feel that God's given me something that is not mine to, to, to have. It's not mine. And I, it's not that I have to come up at the front to share, but I feel I'm carrying something. And I physically feel that weight. So I, I feel that God's given me something. It is not mine. I have to share it with the church because I want the church to, to become more like Jesus. Um, and so that is a sign, that uh, sign for me anyway, is knowing that I'm carrying a weight. It doesn't make me any, I'm not, I'm no way, I'm not a special person at all. I'm incredibly weak, desperate for Jesus. That's the, it, absolutely desperate for him. Um, and so that is sort of the things that happens to me, or what I feel, you know, and I, and, and I think it's different for all of us. But I think a sense of, with the prophetic, is it's not yours, it is something that God's given you to share with the church. And then team comes in. Um, it's so important to work in team. I, isolated prophecy can be very dangerous. Um, and I would encourage you to talk about prophetic words. Uh, talk in small groups. I believe God said this to me um, this week. What do you think about that? I talk about prophecy a lot with Josh. <laughs> you know, I think... I don't think you get bored of me, maybe. But no. Um, I talk about prophetic words a lot. You know, God said this to me on the walk. What do you think about that, Josh? With the leadership team, we, I, I share prophetic words. Clayton shared it with the leadership team on Thursday. Talking about prophetic um, words is super important. And now, don't turn over to you. So I would just say, be expecting to hear God speak, because he speaks to all of us. And step out in the small Start with maybe a small group, um, whenever you, wherever you feel comfortable. I'm not a confident speaker. I never have been, uh, but I've learned, and over the years, um, yeah, it is something that I'm passionate about. I think we, we all need to be a bit more like children, not immature, 
and not sort of going in all sorts of directions, but just being keen on hearing the voice of God. I'll hand over to you now. Thank you. Super. Okay, so the next one we want to quickly focus on is tongues. Uh, so in verse 2, Paul says, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. Uh, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Um, and so, yeah, so this is the next gift that Paul focuses on. And it's speaking in tongues is a gift that, again, comes up in numbers of places within the New Testament. And so, for example, in Acts 2, the whole, whereas after Peter sort of stands up, or before Peter stands up to, to share about, uh, yeah, this incredible, what God is doing, they, they spill out of the upper room, and they're speaking in tongues. But when they're speaking then, people are understanding what's happening. So there's lots of people gathered in Jerusalem from different parts, speaking different languages, and as they speak in tongues, these people suddenly start, start hearing the gospel in their own languages, and so they can understand what's happening. So there needs to be no interpretation, because... They understand it. When Paul gets to uh, this, this part of the, of the scriptures, uh, th there is clearly something happening that people aren't understanding. So this is, as Paul explains in verse 2, this is someone uttering mysteries in the spirit, not to men, but to God. So tongues are Godward. They're actually not necessarily meant for building us up. They're meant, they're focused, it's almost like prayer language, thanksgiving language that is focused towards God. And we actually see that in verse 16, that tongues are thanksgiving. They need inter interpretation, you know, they're thanksgiving. Uh, and we read in verse 13, therefore, because they are unknown and because they are pointed towards God, that um, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. So, Vocal, loud tongues within the gathering of the church needs to be interpreted. And there's two ways that we can do this. Verse 13 says, the person who is bringing the tongue should pray that they can interpret it. And this is something, I think, even within our family of churches, New Frontiers, Christ Central, we're a family of churches around uh, the country, the nation, the nations. Actually, this is something perhaps we, we're not super strong on the person bringing a tongue, then bringing the interpretation. We'll often wait for someone else to bring the interpretation, which is also biblical and fine. We read that in 1 Corinthians 14. But this, when I'm studying, I'm thinking, oh, that's interesting, actually. We want to encourage tongues, but we want to encourage, if you've got a tongue that you're going to speak on the microphone or you're going to bring it really loud so everyone hears it, then you have to be prepared to interpret that. It's very clear in verse 13. And that is the, because they are unknown language. Okay, And remember the context of love, the context of the gathering, the context of yep, making sure that everyone is being built up. Actually, things need to be interpreted because it is in that interpretation that actually people can get built up as they hear you give thanks to God or, or whatever it may be. Uh, so, if you bring a tongue, which we absolutely want, okay, we want loud tongues, we want to hear that. I, I think there is something released when people bring tongues. It's just a practical observation that I have seen when whoever it is brings a tongue and then there's an interpretation, suddenly something happens within the spiritual realm and it's, it's powerful. And so, we want to encourage that, we want to see that happening. Um, but if you're doing that, be prepared either to wait, and that's fine. Don't get nervous. If we've got a moment of silence in church, sometimes, if you're anything like me, you're getting nervous. Who's going to speak next? And it's okay to wait for a minute and have a bit of silence. You don't need to start thinking about yesterday's football scores. You can just ask, God, speak to me. I have an urgency for you. God, I need you. And perhaps you'll bring an interpretation. Perhaps the person who has brought the tongue will bring an interpretation. And that is important. It is an interpretation. It's not, this is exactly, or I've just translated that tongue, and maybe you're listening for the, the same sounds as what the tongue was, and it's the same length of time as the tongue. It might be completely different. There might be a short tongue and a longer interpretation, or a longer tongue and a shorter interpretation. The word is interpretation. It's not perfect word for word. And there might even be more than one who brings an interpretation of the same tongue. And that's great, because it's an interpretation of what the Spirit is uttering, the mysteries to 
God. Um, and now, Paul doesn't necessarily answer this question uh, in this scripture, uh, but I think a, a question that might come up in a minute, or a question that if you've been in any sort of conversations like this before is can everyone speak in tongues at the same time should everyone speak in tongues at the same time and I think well I want to say a couple of things about that firstly in verse 23 I think Paul is quite clear that if you are a non-believer and we regularly almost every Sunday we'd have non-believers amongst us people who are exploring the relationship thinking about Jesus or just friends with us Uh, If you have a non-believer amongst you, Paul says in verse 23, and they hear a loud tongue and no interpretation, they're going to think you're a bit crazy. They're going to think what's going on here. And so if you're all doing that at the same time, they're going to think there's something strange happening here. So if we all super loud speak in tongues and there's a non-believer here, it's just going to ask, end up with more questions than answers. So it's not super helpful. A tongue is supposed to be interpreted. Now, we read in other parts of Scripture that we make melody, that we sing together, and we encourage this, that we sing in English and Swedish and Portuguese, and we have so many different languages here. And I think it's really important that sometimes we sing texts on the screen together. Brilliant. Other times, we just want to I might be wanting to sing like this, and someone else might be wanting to sing like this, and the band just play. And we want to encourage, in those moments, people to sing. And I want to encourage you to sing in English, and Swedish, and Portuguese, and any other language. I think in moments like that, I think it's okay to quietly speak in tongues, because no one can hear anything that's happening anyway. But as soon as the volume gets raised, then actually it becomes very unhelpful uh, if you are speaking a loud tongue, and then it needs to be... Uh, interpreted. Um, yes, Nina. Yeah, these are my notes. Yeah. I think you've taken my notes now. So, just uh, briefly before we have time uh, for questions. Um, in, in the 1 Corinthians 14, 26 to 33, I will just read it. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in turn let someone interpret. That's what, exactly what Josh has just been talking about. But if there's no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If the revelation is made to one to another sitting there, let the let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So when um, God comes, when the presence of God comes, it's not a moment of, of chaos and confusion, but it's, a, it's, it's God coming with his peace. And there needs to be an order. And I'm just going to share a little bit about what we um, try and do here at Good First to have that order. Because Paul, obviously something has been going a little bit wrong in, in the Corinth church. And Paul is not saying, okay, you've had your go at, at spiritual gifts, stop now. This is not good, but actually he's teaching them and he's trying to bring order in the way that they give and, and deliver spiritual gifts and how they use them. Then, of course, um, so what we're having, what you would have seen this morning is that you would have had me and Becky at the front, Becky leading the meeting, um, and we have a host who leads the worship together with um, the worship leader. Um, and at first, we, we want to have time. This morning was slightly different because we felt God was speaking through what Clayton was, was sharing, and then I came in uh, to lead us into worship. But we want to have a time of uh, pursuing uh, God and his presence. So the worship leader and the host will often just time for us to not to rush, but to just spend time with the Father and enjoy him. Um, and then there, we, there will be a time to listen and to hear what God is saying. Often that can uh, be during the week. For me, Sunday mornings are busy and distracting. I can't, it's hard for me to hear God speak. That happens during the week when I don't have 
maybe the boys with me or, or, and so on. So it's just, we find um, a time of hearing what God is saying. And then you will often see that praying in Swedish or English, that happens as we, are, as we sit and we just have a loud voice and, and we can do God-focused prayers uh, to encourage the church. But then what you will see is you will see um, someone come up to whoever's hosting the meeting. And that's to share what they feel God is saying. And for me, that is, um, is such a place of safety. We work as a team. It means that when I come up to speak to, in this example, Becky, I say, this is what I feel God is saying. Um, what do you think? Do you think this fits in? And sometimes it's, yes, this is exactly what Verity is bringing. Good, let's do, you know. Sometimes it's, oh, let's hold on a little bit and see what is happening. Uh, to, to be sensitive to the Spirit and see where the Spirit is leading. And it demonstrates team. There is not one person coming up and just having to share, but we talk to one another. We share, and we, we, we try and fit, use the microphone so obviously you can hear, but also so that we can see what is God saying, because sometimes there can be many people feeling that God says the same thing, and then not everyone has to share that, but it could just be confirming and backing up what is being said. Uh, so we, we see that when God comes, there is an order, um, and what we, we don't do it perfectly in any way, but we try and have an order by having a host who will then work out when is a good time to, to, to bring this. Um, uh, yes, can, or can you bring this at the end so that we have uh, some sort of order. I'm just going to see my notes. Yeah, I think that's it. So um, working in team, I can't stress that enough. In Acts 11, at the end, the prophets came together. We, church is team. Church is family. And it's so important not to, um, to do things isolated, but to work in team. And can I just say, if the living God speaks, if that is true, this is what I was thinking as a young teenager, sorry. It, um, do you not want to hear his voice? I was an all or nothing person. I'm a bit wiser now than I was a young teenager. It's good. But the, my youth leader said to me that the living God speaks. And I thought, if that is true then I want that. If he doesn't speak, then I'm not interested. And I, it's just, I just want to encourage you, the living God speaks today, and let's be people that hear his voice. Oh. That's brilliant. So verse 39 says, So, my brothers, <clears throat> earnest, earnestly desire to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues. For all things should be, but all things should be done decently and in order. So Paul kind of comes full circle and he says, I urge you, earnestly desire prophecy and tongues, but let's do it in order. So this is a really important aspect of the gathered church, and this is a really important aspect of who we are as good first. And so as we go into two sites after the summer, one of the reasons we want to do that is actually to grow and see other voices and hear other voices uh, leading us and hearing from God in the prophetic, with tongues, with interpretations, with spiritual gifts, which as Nina said, there are many more, but these are the ones he focuses on in uh, chapter 14. Wonderful. Sounds lively out there. Having a great time. Good. Uh, so, questions, if there are any, we'll try our best to answer them. And Becky's going to run around. Hi, everyone. Um, two questions. One, you mentioned Acts 2 and chapter uh, Corinthians 14. Are uh, the same thing happening in both texts, like the same gift, the same event, or, or, or different? Um, and the other one is spirit gifts are gifts, so from the Holy Spirit, but how our own will plays a part on that, developing that and, and make sure that happens. Okay? Yeah, great. Uh, so I think, I think, I think it's... Do you want to say? Uh, I think it, I think that whole Acts two is it's clear that, that that people are understanding. So it's almost I think a reverse of the Babel story where everything gets confused. Suddenly God comes and everything gets clarified, as as yeah as the Holy Spirit is poured out. So for me that is a moment of language. So I might suddenly start speaking Portuguese. I remember my dad once prayed exactly the same words that mum. Um, Nina's mum prayed in Swedish, so she prayed in Swedish, and then he prayed like exactly what she prayed, 
but in English. And there you have an example, I think, of him just like, it's the gift of tongues, there's something happening. Um, here, it's quite clear, I would say, that it's not, that's not happening, because then you would need, you would not need interpretation. Um, so it would be a case of, no, this is, there's a heavenly, there's a mystery, mysteri mysterious language that's happening as you're uttering mysteries to God. Um, do you want to say anything about the gift? Second question? It's about gift. Yeah, so if it is a gift, but how your own will plays a part on that happening and, and developing the church? Yeah, so I would say absolutely it is a gift, um, and it is a, it's a grace gift uh, to make the church, to build up the church and to edify the church. Uh, you know, in, in James, God, um, in James, it says in chapter 4, I believe, about God opposes the, pr opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And I think it's just about being humble and, and that, you know, that God chooses to use us and work through us. Um, then I think it's, it's uh, so yes, you have to recognize it's a gift. Um, I think that everyone can hear God speak. Um, um, and, uh, you know, the whole thing about asking him and uh, asking him, pursuing him, wanting to hear his voice, that's your priority in, in your life. Um, I would say that. And then I think it's also just the whole thing about talking about it and being a discipleship, be, having people around you that build you up and that move you closer to Jesus. So if you think, oh, I feel God is maybe saying this, we you chat about it in small group because we do have a responsibility as well of using our gifts wisely and developing them. Um, you know, so I think, I think there is, yes, recognizing it's a gift. It's a grace gift. Uh, absolutely. It's all about him and not about me. Um, and then it is just about stepping out, being brave as well, talking about it, um, and uh, starting small, in small group is a good example. Or just if it's two or three meeting together, uh, just chatting about it. I think we need to get better at talking about that God speaks to us, um, and that is more normal than it is. Um, obviously, the prophetic and the spiritual gifts are to be used out in the, in the real world as well, but in this setting, it's, it's to build up the church. Yeah, I'm not sure if I, that's I answered your... Yeah. No, I'll just add as well, um, to Timothy, I was just trying to find it, uh, 1.6, Paul says to Timothy, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame, so there's an active fanning into flame, what? The gift of God that was given to you by the laying on of hands. So there's a laying on of hands, there's a gift that's been given, a gift that's been received, what's Paul to do with that? Fan it into flames, work with it, move into it, um, yeah. So, uh, you mentioned that about praying in tongues is a way to, to help uh, get more prophecies. And that made me wonder, can, after you have the gift of tongues, can you control whether you're praying in tongues or is it, or just praying in English or Swedish, or is it like a prophecy that it comes to you as a gift every time that it comes? Can you just decide to pray in tongues or... Yeah, no, you you absolutely have the the you decide if you're going to speak in tongues or not. So it's a, it's a, it is literally it, your body. You're under no no God doesn't take over your body. He doesn't force himself on you, and he would never just sort of press. You know, you just suddenly start speaking in tongues uncontrollably. That's not God. Um, but it, we choose to pursue tongues. Um, so for me, it was again my youth leader, a very good youth leader. So. Youth leaders, you make a big difference, just so you know, um, uh, who said to me that we can speak in tongues, and he told me what it was. So in my head, thought, okay, in my head I was like, okay, I'm going to speak in tongues. So I was in bed, I just opened my mouth, and I just started to make up. And first I thought, I'm just making this up. But I just started to speak and speak. And my dad at some point came in, decided to leave the room, because I was just talking in, in tongues. And God doesn't, it, so to answer your question, yes, you can decide when you speak in tongues. It's an active choice. And I, I love as well, in, within this uh, chapter 14, Paul says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But he does it at home, actually. But I'd prefer to speak five intelligible words in the public gathering. And remember, he doesn't say, I don't want you to speak in tongues. He encourages that. But he says, actually, at home. So he's constantly, clearly, it's his prayer language. And for me, just really practically, I find when I pray, I run out of words in English. 
I've got no words in Swedish, so no, I don't. Um, but, but I actually find speaking in tongues is really helpful then to just get back into, and I will almost always go back into English and like just flip between the two. Yep. Yeah, I was thinking about uh, in the Old Covenant, um, we're supposed to stone a false prophet. I don't know that we have done that here yet. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Uh, but maybe it's worth mentioning um, what, what, what's the difference between prophecy in the, in the Old Covenant and in, in the New Covenant. Say something about that. Yeah, I think that's great. I, I think when we, I mean, it's really helpful. The old, old covenant, you have the, the prophets that Nina mentioned. Samuel, you've got some major prophets, you've got some minor prophets as well. And they, they heard the word of God and it's scripture. And so we, we, we see it as scripture. Yeah, so we might do a preaching series on Samuel, for example, or on the book of Isaiah is a great example. And it's, that it's prophetic, it's from God, it's the word of God. I think what, um, when we get to the New Testament, what we look at is it's, it's, we prophesy in part. So partly God, partly me. And I love, I think in um, Acts 17, some, when um, Paul and Barnabas are going to be sent off on mission, what I love is this phrase, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. And is this, yeah, it seems good. It's not, if, if it was like 100% all God, now actually, it, it seems good. There's something about God in this. We're going to go for it. And I think that's a helpful way of thinking about prophecy. And so, again, when we stand up, when we hear someone prophesy, Nina's got such a prophetic gifting, Verity also got such a prophetic gifting, we recognize that, yeah, we're hearing something from God, and we often weigh that, and we see that, that okay, people are saying the same thing, something from God is in this, but it's not Scripture, and we always, the plumb line is scripture. So anything that is going against this book is not from God. This is God's word. It's alive and it's active. We hear from it, both by reading it and sometimes God speaks through us. Um, but it's always based on this. Yes. More questions? I love the way the questions, I hope someone over here has a question next, because it's like, Becky's just going that side, that side, that side. It's brilliant. Uh, hi, I want to go back to, uh, Nina, what you were saying about tongues, when you said when you were learning. So I've been trying at home, and it does feel like I'm just waffling words. I mean, how do you know, does it feel different when you cross over to the point that it's actual tongues rather than just waffle? And then on top of that, I worry that what if the words I'm saying end up being you know, worse from the enemy instead? I mean, how that worries me. <laughs> so how do you know that what you're saying is safe and okay and, yeah. Yeah, uh, good question, Wendy. I think the thing is, is when we have to teach ourselves and we have to speak to ourselves. So, so for example, if, if when we are um, with tongues, maybe... You know, if I'm gonna, if I'm at home and I just start um, uh, uttering, you know, random words, um, it can just feel like I'm making it up, and can still feel like that. Or it's just like, and this, and you feel like, oh, it's such a struggle to get going. But I think actually, the more I, I do it, and the longer I do it, I feel that I, I just feel God's presence on me. Uh, I feel God come, with, with, and He's just meeting with me in various different ways. Um, so I think that's the thing. I think, will you, when you first start, will you know, you know, I think if God, the Bible teaches us to, to speak in tongues, and Paul says, I do it more than the rest of you. And I think that's, for me, that's enough to be something that I really want to pursue. Uh, again, I don't think, you know, we have an active choice, and the whole thing about, you know, you, someone taking over your body, that's not God. That's not a, a biblical thing. That doesn't happen. But we have an active choice uh, to teach ourselves to speak in tongues and to press on and pursue, even if you think, oh, this is really weird and I feel very tired, I don't want to continue, but I am going to continue. And that's, we, uh, this is the same on, on the Sunday morning, I come and I feel exhausted. Actually, being honest with you, the last thing I want to do is raise my hands. But I have a responsibility of leading myself into the presence of God. And I think that's the same with tongues. So I choose to raise my hands. I choose to move into the presence because I know it's good for me. I want to meet with the Father. But um, I don't think um, the spirit of fear is, is, is not God. 
Um, um, he doesn't, the, you, being fearful about that is not a godly fear. Um, so I would just say, go for it, Wendy. Keep uttering those words and worship him, and I think it will flow. I love, I can pray with you as well. Yeah. Um, hey. <laughs> um, so everyone has gifts, at least one gift. Um, but sometimes we can think like, okay, I have a gift, but I have no idea what my gift is. Um, so how can we find out our gifts? That's true. We all have, I mean, we all have different gifts. Um, some people are encouragers and um, have, um, you know, some people have the gifts of healing. I feel, I believe that, and in the Bible it says that we all can hear the voice of God. Sheep hear my voice. Um, and I, feel, I would say to you, Vitor, um, you know, um, ask God to speak to you and to figure out. I think we can have more than one gift as well and see what, what are you good at? What has God gifted you with? What do you enjoy um, is another thing I would say. But the whole thing about as, as, you know, as, as a teenager, seek the presence of God. Um, uh, you know, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon you to preach good news to the poor. And I would just say, go for it. Be, you know, God will speak to you. Uh, and maybe he will reveal, you know, something else that, that you might have. Yeah, I'll stop talking. Yeah, and I think, I think it's important not to go too formulaic in things like this. Um, so it's the wind blows where the wind blows. And I think uh, God gives gifts. And, and that's great. And just to step out in, and, and see what you love, what you care about. Um, for, for me, just my personal journey is, <laughs> I don't know really what my gift is, but like I just, I started serving on the, you know, with Sal, like not with Saulo, but like on the sound desk and then started being a small group and really plugging myself into church in all sorts of areas. And perhaps there's a bit more of a refining and now I'm starting to see perhaps what God has gifted me in. Um, so just go for it. Go for everything, and then you. Sl I think you'll slowly start to see what your gifting is. I thought it's interesting as well listening to a, a guy called Mike Betts, who leads like a bit like Christ Central, but relational mission. He spoke about. And he he went through the list. And he said, I think at one point in my life, I've had all the different gifts, and and that's great. And I think it's not like okay, this is your gift. I'm a I'm a prophecy man. I'm a prophetic. You know, actually, yeah, that might be your main gifting, but you might also receive another gift. And so I don't think we need to get too hung up on. This is the gift that I'm going for, um, but just stepping out and seeing what God will do as you serve him. Yeah, the heart that he gives you and stuff. Thank you. Got a few more minutes left. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Same side. So I think this is more a comment than a question, but... Uh, from the, the, the chapter that we were reading, verse 29 says, Two or three prophets should speak, and the other should wait carefully what is said. And I think this is very connected to what Lucas, uh, uh, Lucas questions, and also what uh, Jacob shared, that how to know if it's something that I'm thinking through myself or if it's God speaking. I think in the Portuguese version, version it says... Uh, that the other should judge what is being said, something like this. And the way to judge, I believe it's through scripture, as you said. Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would also add to that, interestingly, just talking, when we spoke about going into two sites, uh, obviously we kind of, as a leadership team, we kind of felt that God was prophetically leading us into two sites, but we, you know, that's kind of it. Um, very interestingly, I've never had such positive feedback from the church um, about doing something, ever. And so that also tells me that we almost weighed that as a church together. No, this feels really good. There's something of God in this. This feels right. I think Nina mentioned a great word earlier, peace. God is a God of peace. And I think, you know, we, we can almost feel and be peaceful about this. Um, and so that's, an, I think, another way as well. But absolutely always, number one is we go to Scripture. And we weigh against scripture. Yeah. 
One more question. We've got time for one more. What should we do? Just trying to work out what to do. It, if there's no one else that's got a question. I mean, we could just finish here. If you, if you, you just something very quickly. I think it is important as well to mention that, uh, that sometimes prophecy can be wrong. You know, and I think that we must, uh, uh, we all have a responsibility to weigh it, and I think working as a team is really important. But the sad thing is that we must never let the past control our future. And that's exactly what happened in, in 1 Corinthians 14. It was messy in the current church. And Paul could have stopped and said, stop, guys, you really messed this about. Um, but actually, he's giving us some guidelines, and he's speaking about it, and he's telling us to actively pursue it. Can prophecy be wrong? Yes, absolutely. It's people being used by the living God. But we have a responsibility to weigh it uh, and to use our heads and to talk to one another, talk in small groups, talk to the leadership team. But the sad thing is that prophecy that has been done, I, I've heard prophecies that I felt directly weren't, weren't right. If we're letting prophecy and letting the past control the future, we should learn from the past. We should learn our lessons, but then move on in freedom. Because otherwise, you're not living life to the full. That's what I would say. That's great. Just as we finish then, this is something that is so important to us as a church. We want to grow. Um, I love earlier in Corinthians, Paul says, like, we want, I want you to mature. I want you to go from this to that, this food to that food. And as a church, we want to, we want to mature. And so I want to encourage you. Let, let, I, hope that's, I hope this has been helpful. Um, I want to encourage small group leaders, uh, continue these conversations. There might be more questions. Uh, please do that in your small group this week. Um, but it's only helpful to the point that we then pursue and that, that, that we step into spiritual gifts. So I really hope that this has been a bit of a helpful sort of brain exercise. But now what I'd really want us to see is to step into it and be a church where the body ministers together. Is that okay?